All right. Welcome to the Community Kids Podcast, where we talk with previous and current members of the Sword of the Spirit and Word of God communities. Um, these are covenant communities that were formed in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I am Genevieve Jones. And I am Jackie Jones, sibling of Genevieve Jones. <laughs> and our guest today is Rachel McCrory. How you doing, Rachel? I'm good, thank you. Did I say your last name right? You did. McCrory. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, you're our first guest, so thank you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm excited. So I'm super excited to be here. I can't even tell you. <laughs> I'm so glad that we are starting this. So what drew you to be on the podcast? Um, well, you know, I had a really unique experience as we all did in community life. And I just, I wanted people to know about my experience and kind of what I saw from, I guess, being 48 years old now and kind of seeing it from a totally different perspective. I think it's important for people to understand that. And I think if you're not in it, you can't possibly grasp what it's like. And so I was just hoping to, you know, to give some input and, and some sort of idea to people that maybe have no idea what this whole covenant community thing is about. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a big part of why um, we wanted to do this podcast format is because exactly what you said, there's so much and it's so hard to just explain to somebody. Yeah, it's really hard to explain when you meet people and you talk about things and they say, so, you know, what was your childhood like? And, and you say, well, it's really complicated. <laughs> yep. Yeah, very nuanced. I'm Not sorry? a podcast that you can just send people to. <laughs> right, right. Oh. <laughs> um, so you, you were born into the community, is that right? I was. Um, I was actually the first female baby born into the community whoa so i was born in 1972 okay um so my parents um were they kind of jumped in just after the initial start i want to say it was like 68 or 69 you guys are probably no more that's than right. i would i mean I, <laughs> this is just what i've been told um, so they were, it was pretty early on where they weren't meeting, I mean, they were meeting in people's houses and, um, they also were involved in, with the Catholic church as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, I was one of the very few kids, the first, first generation for sure. Wow. Yeah. Were there many other kids as you grew up or was it a pretty small group? Um, I grew up with a lot of kids. Um, I mean, I think, gosh, I don't know. I just remember there being a lot of kids my age. And then I have three <laughs> siblings. Okay. So they're all younger than me, um, obviously. So that okay. was something that, I mean, we always had kids around us. But I remember going to what we used to call weekday child care. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't know if I'm they had that at, that at the point it we were was. At. Um, child care daycare program for kids in the community in Ann Arbor okay. um, and I mean I was probably maybe three or four I have very vague yeah. recollections of going there and there were just a ton of kids and when you're little 
you know, five kids could be a ton of kids. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but, but a, a lot of, a lot of kids, I think. Yeah. And there were a few, um, I think, well, you know, Ralph Martin. Mm-hmm. So his daughter, Mary Sarah, we actually share a birthday. Oh, um, wow. Our, okay. My parents were friends with, 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 um, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, John Martin is Mary Sarah's older brother. And mm-hmm. so she was, um, they were in there as well. So just, yeah, there were a lot of kids, I think. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, so our parents both joined pretty early on. Um, and some of my mom's younger siblings, I think, would be closer to your age. The Hall family. So Tom Hall is our uncle. Lulu. Lucille, yeah. Lulu. The um, name sounds familiar, but I can't okay. really place yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, I was just yeah. curious because it's, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What are um, some, you know, when you think about just being a child growing up in this environment, what are some of the things that stick out to you, like the mm. more formative memories? I think one of the things that sticks out to me, and this is this is probably different than a lot of other people, um, is that I have friends for life. Um, yeah. I mean, I had lots of really good friends that I'm still friends on Facebook with that I would feel comfortable, you know, reaching out to if I was in mm-hmm. town or whatever and saying, hey, do you want to go out for lunch? Um, yeah. That's one of my really positive memories. I have a lot of positive memories, and I also have negative memories That's awesome. too. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I was somewhat sheltered from the negativity that that transpired because okay. of the way my parents raised us. Um, so we can get to that later as well. Yeah. But yeah, I have a lot of really positive memories. Um, I used to love the music of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I hear it, I mean, I, I there's some nostalgia there, and some of it is negative. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my dad was also a member of the Lighthouse. Okay. You know the Lighthouse Music Group? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Do you want to, like, tell us a little bit about what it is in case? Sure. So the Lighthouse was a Christian music group, um, and they used to perform, among other places, at the Power Center in Ann Arbor. And I'm not even sure if it's still called the Power Center anymore. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's on Huron, right on there. And um, so from what I remember, I mean, it was, I was pretty young. I was three or four up till, I don't know, I'm probably getting the time frame wrong, maybe nine or ten um Mm -hmm. and they had a group of musicians and then they did a drama section and it was all um the purpose of it was to draw people in to you know the to the message of god basically yeah um and they had dancers there and they're um it's funny the dancers used to wear these like leotards and then they'd wear these long really shimmery skirts that when they twirled around, they just kind of ballooned out. And um, one year, my mom made my sisters and I those twirling skirts (laughs) in this, in this shiny fabric. 
Um, and That's we cute. just used to dance around the living room and pretend we were the lighthouse dancers. And it was, <laughs> it was amazing. That's really um, sweet. Yeah. But I, I'm my, I remember my dad practicing a lot and they did, um, they did several albums. There was another group called new canical. Okay. Um, and actually that might've been the name of the album, not the, not the group. And maybe it was the lighthouse okay. new canical, but anyway, so there's a picture of me on the back of one of the, one of the albums, um, you Aww. know, cause they did little photos and things. There's a picture of me about age two, I think Cute. in there. So, wow. um, so that was, that was a really fond memory for me. Um, yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In our first episode, we talked a lot about taking the good and the bad with community and like being able to recognize the elements that were good too. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's just good to hear, you know, also we'll get into like the, the sides that weren't so good, but <laughs> sure, <laughs> you sure. know, it is, it is good to like, yeah, recognize the good parts too. Right. And I yeah. think earlier on there was, um, well, the fewer people you have, the, the less corruption and kind of power struggles you have as well. So I think yeah. earlier on, in hindsight, there was just more organic um, purpose to love God and serve God and serve each other. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it felt like to me. When I was younger, I didn't really experience as much of the, of the, Sort of power struggle that happened in the later years so yeah yeah that makes sense yeah so you were with them before the split happened yeah in fact yeah. we were we were out of the community before the split even happened okay i want to say 90 90 91 is when my parents left yeah i feel like that's right around the same time as the split right i think yeah i want to say they split between like 92 93 i don't remember okay. into the word of life and was it still called the word of god yeah okay yep. yeah so i think gotcha. when that started to happen that's when my parents just kind of were like okay hmm. this is becoming more than what we signed up for we didn't sign up for all this power struggle and you know, arguing and this and that. Um, yeah. And then they also moved um, from Michigan to Minnesota around that time too. So that oh, okay. kind of meant it's kind of a kind of made sense to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So your family all left at like together. Yeah. Yeah. My okay. my dad um, transferred positions out to Minnesota in 1992. So I was just okay. out of high school in '91. wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I moved um, with them, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, so. Are you still in Minnesota? I am. I am in okay, Minnesota. Cool. Um, yep. I lived in back in Michigan for five years um, with my ex-husband, and now I'm back in Minnesota for about a year and a half now. Nice. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> Were your siblings involved in community as well? Yeah, we all were by default. I mean, yeah. we kind of had to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so yeah. I have um, a sister who is 18 months younger than me, and then a sister who's five years younger than me, and a brother who's eight years younger than me. Okay. So we were all cool. involved in the community. That meant um, youth groups. Um, we belonged to 
Well, we went to St. Francis of Assisi um, Church until Christ the King was established. Um, broke up a little bit. Sorry, Rachel, you froze a little bit. Yeah, you froze a little bit. Oh, sorry. Do you mind repeating that last little bit? Sure. Uh, Which part? (laughs) Oh, uh, you went to St. Francis of Assisi Church. Oh, sure. Yeah, so we started off going to St. Francis of Assisi. Um, My parents were married at St. Thomas in Ann Arbor, actually, and then we went to St. Francis of Assisi, and then Christ the King got started. Um, And Christ the King, when they first started, they met at Pisa Auditorium on the Eastern Campus. So yeah, that's u- the church we grew up in as Is well. it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we used to call it St. Peas and Carrots when we were little. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> because it wasn't that's a church. Cute. It was an auditorium. Yep. Um, yep. And obviously now they have their own very beautiful church. I've yeah. been there out by Domino Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So, yes. Um, so we were involved in that. I was involved in youth groups. Um, and then we also did catechism through the Catholic church as well. So it was pretty busy. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like a big time commitment. Yeah. Um, you know, we had school and then we had, um, church Sunday morning and then prayer meetings in the afternoons. Um, and then I did go to Huron Valley school. I was one of the first classes there. So it started when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. So they started out with four through eighth grade, I believe. And I was a fifth grader that year. Um, and that was in Ipsy when it was just Huron Valley School. And now I believe it's Huron Valley Catholic School. Yeah, I went there. I think we both did. Some, did you go to the time there? Do they have a new <laughs> building or are they in the same location? They were um, on Michigan, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Were, like by the flea market? Yeah. Yeah, there is a new building now. Is there? Okay. Is it on the same yeah. property? No, it's um, further north. Okay. Kind of off of Prospect. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. I did my first grade year in the old building. And then, and so probably like 2002 or so, they moved to a new one. Okay. Okay. So then yeah. they had. Yeah, because when I went there, when I left there in eighth grade, they weren't doing lower elementary at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're so um, K through eight now. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's a community-based school, right? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It all started through the community. Yep. It's really interesting to um, talk about those organizations that sometimes if I think of Huron Valley or I think of Christ the King and I think of community – in my mind, sometimes they're really different parts of growing up mm-hmm. and different environments. So it's interesting to sort of be reminded that it all started it. from the same place. I think, yeah, that's a sense I get now just hearing people talk about it. But back then, it was all the same thing. I mean, you went to school with the yeah. same people that you went to church with for the most part and that you went to um, community gatherings with. It was just kind of all one and yeah. then if you had households, um, do you want me to explain what a household is? Yes, sure. please. Okay. <laughs> you guys know what a household is, right? Yeah. Okay. So a household was, um, I think a lot of it was the idea of the biblical sort of living together in a, in a household type communal situation. So sometimes it would be a family. 
and then some single people would live there and they would rent rent a room or whatever and you had household dinners together um you know household prayer time things like that and so um when i was very young we lived in a household with um the cerner family okay yeah randy and Teresa cerner and tim who has since passed away um and i believe jennifer who is a year younger than me i think she was a baby there but she might not have been so that was tim was two years older than me so um in fact he um yeah i think there's a picture of him on the back of one of the the lighthouse albums as well because we were all living in the household at the time so and then later on um when i was nine or so um my parents bought a house and we had we didn't ever have a big household anymore, um, but at various times we had a single single woman living with us, um, sharing space. So, oh. <laughs> sorry about that. Happened again. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. Are we? I... Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Are we clear? Can you see us? Yep. Okay. Yep. So you said at various times you've had, you had single women living with you. Yeah, but we never, family. after we lived in the household with the Cerners, we never had a big household like we did yeah. then. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have questions. questions. Um, I'm curious, like, were you, so you were pretty involved with, um, like religion as a whole when you were young did that um how did that evolve as you were older with community um i mean i was involved by because i was born into it mm-hmm. um you know from the catholic perspective i went through first communion i went through first reconciliation i was confirmed um my religious journey has been really complex i guess um I, what I learned from the community was rules. Mm -hmm. I learned that God loves us and wants us to worship him and that in order to be pleasing to God, these are the things you need to do or say or not do or not say. That's what I learned from community. Yeah. In terms of the, the religious aspect of it. Um, I didn't learn a whole lot about the Bible. Um, I didn't learn about my, and again, this is my perception. So yeah, I'm not painting. I don't want to paint a negative, everything with a negative brush, but my perception was um, we were as a community, we were separate. We were called by God to live in this environment we were different, we were better than, we were on a, a better path than the secular world around us. Yeah. Um, so that meant no secular music, that meant no dating until you were ready for marriage. Um, even, even clothing, um, wearing, women wearing skirts and dresses, um, the patriarchal 
sort of idea that women are first and foremost housekeepers, having the children, caring for the children, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I learned from community. And from my parents, um, they sort of tempered that, I think, Um, because there were plenty of things that they did or didn't do that um, may have not been along the lines of what their head coordinator said. Um, For example, there was a situation where my grandmother um, had Alzheimer's, and my parents felt like they should have her move in with us and take care of her. And their head coordinator at the time said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. That's going to limit your ability to participate in the community life, and you shouldn't do that. And my parents basically said, too bad we're doing it. Good for them. Because that's what they wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. that was the way that they could love and serve my grandma and um my young, my second sister is profoundly deaf. Okay. So at the time, there was no sign language interpreter. Um, oh, wow. So there were some things that we did not attend because she couldn't understand what was going on. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, think about sitting in a three-hour prayer meeting with, you know, kind of feeling the music but not having any idea what's going on, not being yeah. able to understand the talks. And things like that. So there were plenty of times where we didn't attend certain things. So that's why I say that my experience was a little bit different than some in that my parents were what I would consider to be a little bit more reasonable. They didn't, they didn't follow everything blindly. Um, so that's kind of the, the short version of that story. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had a similar experience. <laughs> there were certain things that our parents, um, you know, just said, no, thank you. That seems a little too much. Like, mm-hmm. um, what comes to mind specifically is the, there was a teaching that men shouldn't be in the room when children are born, that it's like oh. a women's thing. Okay. Um, and so my dad missed the birth of our oldest sister mm. he was like waiting outside and then after that he was like i'm not doing that again you know i need to be in there so there were six of us so there were plenty more for him <laughs> to be at <laughs> but Did he decide yeah. after a while he just didn't want to be in there <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's like, yeah, well, go I'm back to that now i'm good thank you right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah so. i think that's really important um I remember seeing women in the community, and again, my perception being, you know, 8 to 13, um, Mm -hmm. just looking very haggard. Mm. Um, Lots of children, you know, looking, just looking like they just were going to drop at any moment. Yeah. And and I don't know. I mean, maybe they were just having a rough day, or maybe they didn't feel that way. Um, Mm -hmm. but just a lot of pressure on women Mm -hmm. with very little say in what went on. I mean, you know, you had the handmaiden role, which Mm -hmm. 
um, was sort of a, a spiritual leader of the women in the community. Um, so mm -hmm. it was someone that maybe was in the community longer or just maybe a little bit older that was um, was there to give spiritual advice. But I think the community's idea of advice was very different than what actual advice is. I think it was more like, this is what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned head coordinators earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my understanding of that, I think, is a little more lax than how it started. Mm. I think when we were growing up, head coordinators were definitely still there to, you know, give, like you said, advice within quotations, you right. know, strong recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there were probably consequences for not listening to those, but... I don't remember it being as explicitly, as as much of a pressured relationship. Okay, well that's good when to I hear. think of. Yeah, I think that loosened up a bit over time. Yeah, we were also in, in the Ann Arbor community, and I had a lot of friends in the Lansing community, and theirs True. was a lot more like stringent and had a lot more defined roles, even in their gender roles. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed that too and they had a lot more like they had the the contract the dating contract that you had to sign oh wow um as a teenager whereas our ann arbor branch didn't do that anymore yeah we didn't so, i don't recall I don't doing think, that either yeah okay yeah so that was that's an interesting thing to talk about yeah um that was a a contract called the ideal and they had a ceremony where all of the high school students took turns going up to the podium in front of the whole community, signing this contract that essentially said, I will not be alone in a room with a person of the opposite sex. I will not um, pursue a dating relationship. I will not do wow. drugs. I will not drink alcohol. Yeah. I will not, do, like, all the rules. Um, and they just signed this contract, and then everyone would applaud, and they would... And it was very, and if you didn't sign the ideal, then you weren't allowed to participate in the small groups, like the youth group wow. activities. So, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, which I always That's thought was interesting because I thought, wouldn't you like want extra support for the right for the people that don't aren't want following to do the rules? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, wow, it that made is it so interesting. Too much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When going to like, I don't know if you had like retreats, we had yep. something. Yeah. Okay. We had the yes retreat that I went on a few times okay. and that was where all different branches of the community, high schoolers would um, come together for like a weekend and it was a very long and in-depth uh, time for like talks and testimony and classes on uh, abstinence and um, prayer meetings and things like that but half of the people had this contract and like half didn't mm. so I remember there being like crushes forming over the weekend of course of and course it was always like a whole thing of like who can date and who can't but we all can't really <laughs> <laughs> who is legally, who is bound? legally bound wow that's really interesting bound. I think yeah. a lot of things happen behind the scenes that nobody knew about um i mean 
I think my eighth grade class and the ninth grade class above me, I want to say like 75% and don't quote me on this. There were, let's see, there were probably 25 girls between the eighth grade and the ninth grade. I want to say 75% were pregnant out of wedlock, very, very either in high school or very close to after high school. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I mean, no, continued. no negativity <laughs> on any of those people. They're wonderful people. No. Yeah. But you know, there's, there, <laughs> there's something there, you know, <laughs> there's something there that's just not quite right. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. For sure. If you, and we had, I remember one thing in terms of rules and things like that. We had a weekend. Um, I don't remember what year it was. I must've been about 12 or 13. It was the, the weekend to um, educate everyone on how bad secular music was. Wow. <laughs> Did you, you guys probably okay. didn't hear this. So the, it was the best no, weekend ever, though, because kids were there and parents were there, and they showed video clips of all of these secular songs. And so we got to oh, see wow. all of this music. And the whole idea was, you know, they played – they played Madonna and they played the um, Twisted Sister song, We're Not Gonna Take It. And they even played Whitney <laughs> Houston. And we were super excited. It was awesome. Yeah. But that's the, so yeah. funny. But they were playing it like this is what you should avoid yes. and you're just enjoying yes. it. And they, you know, they referenced Ozzy Osbourne and the bat incident and all of that. And mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a big deal. It was like a two-day event. And we just had a great time. Wow. <laughs> it was great. That's so funny. Yeah, I remember um, we also were not allowed to listen to any secular mm -hmm. music and no radio. didn't. Yeah, no radio really, except for classical Some or jazz. jazz. Yeah, and um, we had a TV later. We didn't have a TV until I think I was born. I'm the fourth of the six. Okay. Um, and and the six. yeah, <laughs> and then um, but never had cable. When I was growing up, Jackie had cable. But, um, yeah, I just remember whenever I would get a snippet, like, going to a friend's house after school and they could watch MTV mm -hmm. or something like that. It was just, like, wow. so excited yeah. to get this glimpse into the world. Yeah, I remember it was always very scheduled. Like, I couldn't turn on the TV except on really Saturday mornings was the main time. Okay. But. Yeah. Yeah, my first concert was Amy Grant. Oh, yep. and nice. I went yeah. with my dad and my and my one of my best friends, and um, it was fun. It was great. Yeah. But then when she started moving into the pop world, then that was that oh, was a no go. Yeah. And then she um, divorced her husband, and there were rumors that she was cheating right. on him, and so then she was yeah. kind of ostracized. I, yeah, I, I remember that happening with a few different artists who would start as, like, I think Mandy Moore was in yep. that boat. Yep. A few yeah. others where they start as these role models, and then eventually it's yep. no more. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. And we had camp. So, Did you guys go to um, summer camp? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is it still called Cedar Lake? No, they, um, the Lansing community started running it. Oh, okay. And so they call it, their community is called the Work of Christ. Right. So they call it the Work of Christ okay. Camp now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, camp was fun. Mm -hmm. Camp was great. 
Um, <laughs> I remember, this is kind of a funny story, but we always used to have the Olympics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yep. so we'd do the whole torch <laughs> thing, and we'd have our... Wow, I just unlocked <laughs> a memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um... Sorry, you froze up again. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there you're back. Go. So we had the Olympics, cool. and the first year I went... So this was 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I think. And I think I only okay, went 7th and 8th grade. And, uh... You have a bunch of, you know, preteen, teenage girls there, and in order to make the torch, they took, um, they took maxi pads, a whole bunch of maxi pads, and they, they <laughs> wrapped them around the, the end of a stick, and then they lit it on fire. That's so And we funny. were so <laughs> mortified, because right. we just didn't talk about those things, and we're like, right. oh my god, we know what those are, and... Yeah. This is so embarrassing, but that's one of my, one of my memories from Cedar Lake Camp. <laughs> that's really is funny. the maxi pad Did Olympic it... torch. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Did anybody else notice what they were? Like any of the guys there? Or I were there been... guys no. there? Oh, okay. no, there weren't guys there. No, but we were just embarrassed yeah. anyway. Yeah. Well, so I wonder if this is probably more like um what is now pine hills camp which is yeah. yes the camp that... pine hills yes. okay oh, yeah because okay. that's like word of god kept up with that one that's out like near um, chelsea or tecumseh or not Chel um yeah somewhere yeah. out there yeah that's the one i was talking um, about um okay okay yeah because yeah. we we did so work of christ started a camp that was for coming out of third grade through coming out of sixth grade okay and then Pine Hills was seventh through ninth grade, okay, so it. it was kind of a. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I did mostly. I did uh, two years of Work of Christ camp, but didn't have good. I was I got really homesick at that mm, age. Yeah. Um, but then I ended up doing Pine Hills, I think for three years, and then I was a like an assistant counselor. One okay. Too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were there lots of prayer meetings there too? I remember, like, there's like the Thursday night prayer meeting there still. Um, yeah, there was That's a prayer like meeting the there. Um, uh, my experience with prayer meetings are kind of funny. I don't know. I find it amusing now. Again, I'm one of those people that wasn't severely traumatized as much as other people are, so I can yeah. laugh about it now. But I know. I mean, we've had we've had some pretty significant. Um, mental health issues among people who were involved. We've had suicides. We've had sexual abuse, physical abuse. I never experienced any of that, which I'm very, very yeah. thankful for. Um, but I mean, I have friends who did. And, mm -hmm. you know, they still struggle as adults. Um, but one of the things that we, we um, for the prayer meeting, they'd always kind of have us come up and um, we were always trying to give our lives to the Lord. That was the that was the, you know, the, the phrase, mm -hmm. um, kind of like an altar call type situation. And I remember Jim Berlucci, do you know that name? Okay. Yep. <laughs> I remember Jim Berlucci, you know, just preaching about giving your life to the Lord and giving up everything, you know, secular for that. And then the thing he was, is once you, you know, you go up there and someone would pray over you. And in hindsight, you know, in the in the era of the Me Too movement, 
you had strangers mm-hmm. putting their hands on your shoulders. And yes. we didn't feel any sense of, I didn't feel any sense of um, agency to be able to say, no, I don't really want this. It was just right. something that you did. And so you have people, you know, laying hands on you. And I guess if you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you would begin speaking in tongues or you might get slain in the spirit. Um, mm-hmm. And I tried. I prayed. I like every time one of those things happened, whether it was at Huron Valley School when we had a prayer meeting or where we went to camp. Um, I prayed and I was like, okay, God, um, because I, I mean, I believed it at the time and I really Mm -hmm. wanted to experience this thing that people were talking about. So I'd pray and I'd pray for the gift of tongues and I'm doing my best. Never, ever received the gift of tongues in my life, but I faked it many times just to be done. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, which is really sad. It is, yeah. Just to fit in, yeah. Just to, that that's the thing that's normal in that situation. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. really, really sad. And I later found out that tons of my friends faked it too. And here I thought they were really good Christian people. And yeah, they were experiencing this thing. And, um, and you know, biblically from what I understand, and I'm not a theologian, so don't quote me, but the gift of tongues was was gone after the apostles received it. At the Pentecost? Yep. That yeah. it was not, I, I don't, I know that there's a, there's a, a verse where it talks about, you know, these things are no more. These things will not happen again. Yeah. Um, wow. And so I just, and I didn't learn that until I was an adult. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. in there somewhere. Um, yep. but the idea Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's just going to say Rachel, I I can relate so much to what you're saying. Just um I never received gift of tongues. I could never speak in tongues. It was always very weird that I couldn't. And um I think sometimes that's an easy way to sort of explain how I grew up <laughs> to people is that well, I didn't speak in tongues, and that was weird. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember also really clinging to a Bible verse about Pentecost when it was explained that, you know, to some he gave the gift of tongues, and to some he gave prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, everybody gets tongues, and and if you don't, you don't love me. Right. <laughs> but that's that's how it felt as a kid who... Yeah, you're in front of all of your peers. There's strangers putting their hands on you, and you're supposed to now be able to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think I definitely faked it. I mean, I there was one time when I decided at Pine Hills that I was going to be slain in the spirit now. <laughs> and No, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but I... You just decided. I you mean, just I told was, God, like, this is what's going to happen. I was like, this it's is going to happen now. And, yeah, I was being prayed over by a couple people, and uh, they had their hands on me, and I just... I felt very relaxed. And looking back on it now, I mean, I meditate somewhat frequently and I it's kind of the entering the same kind of state mm-hmm. of like 
a trance. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided this is what it is and this is going to happen. And so I just like, boop, like fell over a little bit and they lowered me to the ground and one person knelt by me and put her hands on me and just prayed over me the whole time. And I was like, just chilling on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) But then I remember thinking like, is this actually what it is? Like, is this, or am I faking it? Like I remember feeling Mm -hmm. shame about Mm -hmm. that. Like, Mm -hmm. am I actually like doing this or am I, my fraud um and I did the same thing with speaking in tongues mm-hmm. too like mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like I I can hear him saying the same phrase over and over mm-hmm. this can't be a whole language right <laughs> right but I had a priest listen to me speak and say yes you have the gift of tongues mm. so I was yeah it was very it was a very interesting relationship for myself with the gifts of the spirit yeah I think the weirdest one for me is when people would get up and give prophecy in tongues and then some random person would interpret, which is hilarious because Mm -hmm. the whole point of the tongues is that you don't understand it. So if you don't understand it, why is someone interpreting, you know, and I just, I think the whole time I was in the community, I really wanted to believe that these things were true and I wanted to be a part of it but in hindsight yeah. I think a lot of it was was bullshit frankly <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I yeah. but I do think that initially the people that started it had good intentions um yeah. I think they really wanted to create a community of people that could come together and love God and serve God and serve each other. And I mean, that's, my parents are some of the most amazing people in the world and they are now relatively liberal, um, which is a far cry from what was before. Um, and you know, they, they have friends that for example, are diehard Trump supporters and um, very right wing. And my parents are like, what is this about? <laughs> you know, and a lot of those yeah, people good. were were growing up in the community. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think in the age of social media, too, it's really interesting to see um what direction people have kind of gone because i i think you know there are people who are a little bit more middle of the road who you know are moderately liberal or sort of have take issue with the trumpism and extreme Mm -hmm. right-wing stuff but maybe are not quite all the way Mm -hmm. they're not like bernie supporters you know um and I always find it funny to see someone on Instagram or on Facebook who I grew up with and to have that moment of, like, are they still in it? Yeah. Are they, like, well, they posted this picture and maybe that means they left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, you know, trying to figure out where other people are with how we grew up. Because I think, for me anyway, and I think you've talked about this too, um, I similar to what you were saying I don't feel like super traumatized I think I 
did for a little bit and I worked through some Mm -hmm. things and that was really good to do and um but I feel pretty open Mm -hmm. to it now but I still don't necessarily feel very comfortable speaking out against Mm -hmm. it or um or just declaring like you know yeah I'm I'm no longer in community I'm no longer religious this is who you know Mm -hmm. I still feel sort of embarrassed to say those things Mm -hmm. so it's hard to figure out who else has done that and who hasn't or to what level Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know I think the political climate has made some of those things a little more clear (laughs) well and people are pretty yeah I think it's funny that you you are interesting that you talk about you know speaking out and it was um, about four or five months ago um, my fiance said to me we were sitting on the couch and he says Aria, who's my daughter, Aria didn't mm-hmm. know that you were in a cult when you were younger. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I guess I never yeah. really referred to it as a cult. I mean, it definitely has, yeah. it definitely, I think, qualifies as a cult, but I didn't experience yeah. it as a cult per se. Um, right. I know what you mean. You know, and it was just kind of funny. And then my son said the same thing to me after the next week. He's like, Mom, I didn't know you were in a cult. It's like, okay, you guys. <laughs> Let's, you know, I wasn't in, I Aww. wasn't, you know, a fan of David Koresh or anything like that. Like, <laughs> right. There are cults and there are cults. And yes, it qualifies as a cult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of funny. They, they have no concept that is funny. of what that's like. Yeah at all yeah Yeah. wow at all i was talking to to genevieve in the first episode about that like it took me a while to even recognize that it was an unusual childhood Mm -hmm. like that there was anything else other than that like um because it was so immersive too and like i didn't even realize that the schools i was going to were part Mm -hmm. of that and um I went to even like a private Christian college. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't even until I was like 20 that I started like I had a, I had a world religions class actually. And we had a section on cults and (laughs) I was like, huh, this is sounding very familiar. And I (laughs) brought it up to my teacher and everybody just stared at me. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. Oh no. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, the first time that I was like, maybe this was a cult. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's I, I kind of had the same experience. Like, I can see the qualities, for sure, of that, uh, of it being cultish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't, <clears throat> I am also lucky that I didn't experience as much um, trauma mm-hmm. from it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think it really yeah, informs and... how you view religion. So my ex-husband... Mm-hmm. Um, is a is a Lutheran pastor, which is sort of oh, ironic. Um, Sorry, you cut oh, out for a second. Do you mind yeah, my my <laughs> ex husband is a Lutheran pastor. Oh, okay. So I mean, I rebelled quite a bit, and then I married a Lutheran pastor. But oh. his <laughs> is very conservative in the sense that it's biblical based. Um, there's no speaking in tongues. There's no, it's not charismatic at all. Um, it's okay. very, very yeah. ritualistic. 
very much like the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know about um, Lutheranism, but, you know, there's Lutheran ELCA, which is the more liberal Lutheran. And then there's Lutheran right, right. Uh, Missouri Synod, which is the more conservative. Okay. So very liturgical. It looks very much like Catholic Church, um, you know. Okay. Lutheran Missouri Synod believe in the in the real presence of of Christ in the sacrament and all of that. So okay. Um, uh, when uh, several years ago, I actually attended a funeral of someone from the community, and it was at Christ the King. Mm-hmm. And my ex husband went with me. We were married at the time, and he <laughs> there was there was praying in tongues. There was you know, hand raising, there was laughing in the spirit, if you remember that one. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. And he left there, and he was just like, that is so wrong. Um, He Mm. said he just felt a really dark sort of spirit in Mm. that kind of display. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which I definitely yeah, agree a, with. Yeah. Yeah. We've had similar experiences. Have you? Bringing, yeah, actually a funeral at Christ the King is something that I'm <laughs> thinking of where that yeah. happened. Yeah. 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 Your boyfriend? My boyfriend, um, who we've been together for over five years now, but pretty, I think it was only like six months into dating or something. That's brave. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was so our right. Well, our um. So our younger brother passed away. Oh, Uh, well, my younger. You're older. Thanks. Yeah. Um, by suicide actually, um, in 2013. So this this was the first funeral that I had to go to since my Mm -hmm. brothers. So it Mm -hmm. was like, I need my support person, especially knowing the environment I was going to be going into. Um, so he was, you know, a sweetheart and came with me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was, yeah, there, it was the hand raising and the speaking in tongues and all of it. And I was like, this is probably the best way that I could ever have you understand how I grew up is to just see Thank it you. because yeah. I can't, it's hard to explain. Otherwise. It really is. It and is. to explain to people that. It wasn't all bad for those of us who... Right, right. Um, because if people go into that environment and they say, oh, this is a cult, this is a weird religious cult, right. and to explain some of the good things. Um, I mean, I had a, a friend of mine, um, actually, Tim Tim Cerner, who we talked about, passed mm-hmm. away 30-plus years ago. His younger sister... Yeah. Um, lives in West Virginia and I was traveling from South Carolina up to back to Minnesota and I wanted to make a two-day trip and it was late and I messaged her and I was like hey I mean I hadn't seen her in 20 years and I just I messaged her I was like hey um how would you like a house guest for the night because I just couldn't make the drive (laughs) you know I was driving by myself it was dark whatever yeah and she and her wife just, I mean, I literally arrived there in the pouring rain, soaking wet. They live out in the country. They had this beautiful meal on the table for me. They Aww. had flowers. They, I mean, it was, 
they were just so welcoming and we stayed up till two in the morning chatting about wow. all things community and and i hadn't seen her in 20 yeah. years wow. and those are like wow. priceless priceless moments it was amazing totally totally that's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah growing up in that kind of environment for sure will bond you for absolutely life. <laughs> absolutely yeah and and they're still involved in their church which is a more liberal church um Sorry, you froze up again. Oh, I, no, <laughs> I said sorry. <laughs> they're, they're still involved in their church. And I think to a certain extent, it's really interesting to see where people are at with their religion yeah. that have mm-hmm. left the community. Um, yeah. You know. Where, where are you with that? Oh, yeah. I can ask. Um, so I married a Lutheran pastor, and then we got divorced. Um, right. I am... I consider myself Lutheran. Um, I convert. Mm-hmm. I actually was confirmed Lutheran years ago from being Catholic. Um, okay. I guess I would consider myself Lutheran Christian, um, mm-hmm. more liberal, definitely liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my relationship with God is based on my relationship with God. There isn't... Yeah. I mean, I think that there are things that are important to do. Like, I think it's important to pray, and I do pray. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't found a church home since I moved back to Minnesota, which I really need to get on. Every Sunday, I think, oh, I probably should go to church or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so early in the yeah. morning, and I'm not a morning person. Um, <laughs> but I do I do pray um, every day, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'll say the rosary. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of I kind of pick and choose the things that that I that I um, practice. Um, yeah, but it's all it's all in the basis of you know kind of a trinitarian um, mm-hmm. model. So I don't feel mm-hmm. the need to run out and find a church home so that I can do all of these things every Sunday. Um, right, but I do want to find something. Right. So I'm looking. Yeah. 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 Cool. Thanks for I telling us. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious if, um, so for myself, I, I can resonate with the, like, my relationship with God is my relationship with God. I, I felt that way with Catholicism when I was young, and I feel like the reason I didn't click really ever with community was because the community relationship with God felt kind of invasive and I wanted to keep my relationship my relationship with Mm -hmm. God personal um and it just felt different from what other people were experiencing Mm -hmm. and it felt like a friendship and I noticed uh once I left community and then uh I went through like a a lot of intense questioning after my brother died um and found it kind of hard to reconnect to that voice again that like because I still consider myself rather Mm -hmm. spiritual and so but that voice of of God is now like it's hard for me to trust it Mm. so I'm just curious if you ever experienced anything like that like after community um did it affect your relationship with God at all do you think yeah there was a long period of time where I just felt like this is what, well, I don't know. A long period of time where I felt like 
if this is what God was, which was involved, which was the community God, I didn't want that because that's not what I believed he was. But I think deep down, I've always believed in what God truly is. Somebody that is not, you know, I don't need to wear a skirt. Mm -hmm. I don't need to stay at home. I don't need to work my butt off to please my spouse or whatever. Um, you know, all of those things that were, that were taught, these are outward things. You know, these mm-hmm. are, these are, you know, it's kind of like, I think of the, um, the Amish community or the, um, the Mennonite community. And you know, when you see them in public, that they're members of that community, which is fine. They dress a certain way. That's fine. That's their thing. Um, And there's a lot of good qualities there. But for me, I felt like I didn't need to have some sort of outward appearance or outward ideals like, oh, I don't listen to secular music or, oh, I don't watch any movies that aren't PG or um, those kinds of things in order to be a Christian person. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you know. Um, Genevieve, social work is one of the hardest fields ever mm-hmm. and underpaid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and seriously, like, I have felt more comfort in feeling like I'm doing, I'm living or trying to anyway, trying to live a Christian life through my work than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I think about the Bible and I think about what Jesus did when he was alive and he, I mean, he was a social mm-hmm. worker sort of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what we're called to do, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And there are plenty of atheists and agnostics out there doing the, that kind of work too. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to, oh, yeah you know, believe in God, you don't have to believe that that's your calling from God to do that um, at all. Yeah. Um, But I believe that that's kind of what my calling became. And that's how I can try to live a Christian life and just try to, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had sessions with clients that I don't market myself as a Christian therapist, because I think that there are issues Mm -hmm. with that. Um, I'm just a therapist and, um, but I mean, I have had clients that are Christian and, um, one time one of my clients was really struggling and they just said, could you, could you, could we pray together? And Hmm. I was the first time anyone outside of the community has asked me to pray together. And so I sort of had this visceral reaction, like, oh, what is this? Am I supposed to put my hands on? And then I realized she just meant, you know, say, say a prayer together. (laughs) And we did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really helpful. Um, And that was the only time we ever talked about it. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. So do you think community, growing up in community has influenced who you've become today? Absolutely. I think that's fair to say it has. For Absolutely. <laughs> I think, like I said, I value, I really value those friendships. 
that I've had. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I also saw a side of my parents that I wouldn't necessarily have seen because I saw sort of this push from Mm -hmm. the community this way. And then I saw them push back a little bit and have their own autonomy and their own agency. Um, And that made me feel like, okay, they're, you know, they're looking out for us because I saw other families that it didn't seem like they were, that they were doing everything that the community said and their kids seemed miserable and I just felt terrible about it. Um, Yeah. So I think definitely it's impacted that. Um, And then just in the way that I've parented, my kids are 22, 25 and 27 now. Um, Okay. But the way I've parented is, is tried to give choices. Um, Mm, And I did raise, I raised my kids Catholic. They were, my oldest son was confirmed. After my oldest son was confirmed, I kind of decided that I really wanted to give my second youngest children the choice Um, because I didn't give Mm, my oldest son the choice. And uh, I remember him Mm -hmm. a few weeks before he was confirmed. He said to me, Mom, I'm not sure that I believe in God. And I thought, oh, Mm. well, that's kind of a problem if you're going to be confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) So I encouraged him to go talk to the priest. And the priest said to him, Mm -hmm. well, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and get confirmed. You know, you'll you'll get there. Right. Oh, wow. wow. So I went, I mean, we had already planned everything. He was already going to be confirmed. I yeah. admittedly didn't want to rock the boat. And so I was like, just go yep. through it. And um, and after that, I decided that I was going to give it, you know, give the other two a choice. Um, and they stopped going yeah. to catechism. And none of them are practicing Christians. Um, mm-hmm. I think they all believe in God or a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't worry about it, which is weird. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about, yeah. oh, are they going to go to heaven or are they going to go to hell or, you know, that typical Catholic guilt over that. Yeah. Sorry, do you mind repeating that? You froze up. Oh, I said, I don't, I don't worry about whether or not they're going to go to heaven or whether or not they're going to go to hell. I just have a real peace with... Yeah their journey and I think it's because I have a peace with Mm. with God as much as you can have a peace with God um yeah (laughs) that they're going to be taken care of and they are good people and yeah there's nothing I can do you know yeah um yeah I think that's a really beautiful perspective yeah yeah so yeah I've seen a lot of parents I think that's something that I internalized a lot is like the fear of the afterlife being a big motivator and absolutely involvement yeah yeah it was for me absolutely for sure. mm-hmm. well and we were taught so mm-hmm. much about the end times you know people yeah. stocking up on food and water and that we were going to be the ones that were going to be saved and we were going to be persecuted I mean I remember being like 10 years old and literally thinking that I was some someday going to be in some sort of firing squad line having to confess to Jesus or not to save my yep. life. 
Um, yep. Which, you know, now seems kind of silly, but I was I was scared about that. And and mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. conundrum of whether or not I could say yes, I believe in Jesus, or if I could. <laughs> I came up with the idea that I could, like, cross my fingers and lie to save my life. <laughs> but really, I did believe in Jesus. That's a good loophole. Jesus <laughs> wouldn't know. Right. He would know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which is so silly. But Aww. to put that kind of pressure yeah. on kids is just awful. Yeah. 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 I remember similarly... Um, for women specifically, the idea of remaining pure and not having sex until you're married and not dating until you're ready for marriage and all of that. Um, I remember thinking about Bible stories or stories of saints where a woman was raped and rather than, or, you know, someone was attempting to rape her and rather than allow quote-unquote it to happen she would fight back um to the point of dying wow and i remember thinking like that's what you're supposed to do it's like it's better to die than Mm -hmm. to let someone take Mm -hmm. this from you Mm -hmm. and um i think that affected a lot about you know my perspective of things that happened to me later in life and how i thought about them or framed them and you know, about the idea that even women are supposed to, you know, dress modestly because it's our responsibility to keep men Mm -hmm. pure because men just can't control themselves. They're just Mm -hmm. wired differently. So the responsibility must (laughs) be on the woman. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting because that reminds me that martyrdom and that kind of thing wasn't just like expected. It was somewhat desired, I noticed. Yeah. Like I had teachers who would talk mm. about martyrdom with like a glint in their eye of I hope that mm. I get to be a martyr. Interesting. And it was like that was something that I it was just pretty dark and that was like yeah. that came around a lot of like I hope that I, I get the chance to die for my faith. Yeah. And that's kind of the level that I was like thought I had to Well, and biblically <laughs> my understanding is that martyrdom is a gift. I mean, and not very many people are martyred. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. It's a it's a right. gift, and yeah, I, I certainly don't think it's seen as an honor. What do you say? <laughs> it seems sorry. It seems like it's an yeah, honor. yeah, but it's not it's not happen happening ran, ran, rampantly. You know, right? Um, it's not. Right. It's not. I think about that old episode of um, ER. I don't know if you ever watched ER. Oh, I've my seen goodness. some of it. Well, the, you have to see the whole thing. <laughs> It's amazing. It was okay. on. It was on for fifteen years, though. But there's an episode there yeah, where um, they're in Africa and they're doing. The doctors are there doing uh, doing some sort of service work. You know, they're working in a small hospital. Oh, sorry, Rachel. I'm freezing up a little bit. That's okay. Sorry. Okay. Continue. So in an episode of ER, they are, um, they're in Africa and they're working, the doctors are volunteering their time working in a small hospital and they, their insurgents come in and they are kneeling on the ground with guns to their heads 
and they're going to shoot them. Mm-hmm. And the one character who has had over the course of the the season kind of in conflict with his with his Catholic faith, um, and he mm-hmm. just just kind of isn't sure. He had lost his wife and his children in the war in Bosnia Herzegovina, and so he's just kind of angry with God, basically. And at that moment when he's, it's, it's a yeah. very compelling episode, but he's kneeling and the sun yeah. is shining in his eyes. And, um, he starts saying the, our father and hmm. he has a, um, he happens to have a crucifix on and the, the, uh, soldiers come in and they, they think he's a priest and they spare his oh, life. Wow. And it's just, it's just one of those tear jerking moments where, I mean, at that moment he, he came back to, I mean, not fully, but he came back to what he knew. Yeah. You know, and it, and it saved his life because he started saying me, our father and yeah. Wow. It is very powerful. powerful. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great show anyway. So lots of episodes to catch up on. Enjoy yeah, the yeah. It, so. Oh, I mean, there you go. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rachel, for yeah coming on and being our well. Like, thank our you for having me. Yeah, and for sharing You're your brave. experience. It's been yeah. wonderful. I've enjoyed chatting with you both. Yeah, yeah you too. Great. It's lovely to meet you and just to share the experience. It's cool to meet people for the first time and already I know, have so much in common is, to talk it? about. It's great. Yeah. yeah. One of the beauties of community. One of the, one yeah. of the blessings. Yeah. One of the blessings for sure. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, do you have any other questions or anything else you wanted to talk about? or Did we have any questions uh, come in from future listeners? I know that that's um, something we'll add in at the end of some episodes, just answering questions from guests. That's right. That's right. We didn't have any yet, but um, I did. One person did say that it would be helpful if we <laughs> defined terms more. So, <laughs> and I was like, I I just have a hard time even remembering what most people know and what they don't. Um, but I think we did more of that this time. Yeah, and uh, for whoever's listening, if you uh, heard a term in this episode and you don't know what we're talking <laughs> about, <laughs> we have um, an Instagram oh. now, SOS Community Kids, mm-hmm. that you can follow. Uh, DM us your questions. Um, and Rachel, I hope you follow us and you can get connected to I future will. episodes. I will. I'm excited. And... I'm excited about your yeah, next guest. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yes. yes, we already have awesome. a lined up. Yay, I'm so. so excited. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing all of this. Great. It's much needed. Yeah, and I thank think you. Really therapeutic yeah. to talk about this stuff. And so I very much appreciate that. Good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're appreciate happy. you being thank here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, we'll good. talk to you soon. Thank right. you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks,